How's your day going? Good. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a busy morning. Good. But good. I'm looking forward to this all day. So. Did you get some sleep, or were you excited to do this? Both. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, obviously, you're you're from Alberta, but you're from small town Alberta. Yeah, small town for sure. Um, originally born and raised in Olds, Alberta. Mm-hmm. Now, what was it like growing up in Olds? <laughs> hmm. I uh, we spent a lot of time outside as kids. Yeah. Um, not a lot in Olds at the time. There's a lot more now. Um, super cute little town. My parents are still there. So I uh, I started in Olds. Um, I was homeschooled actually. Okay. And um, you know, for some extra curricular activities. Um, my mom would take us to the rink on Tuesdays and Thursday mornings for the free ice time. And um, so I sure enjoyed that. That's amazing. Now, was that one of your favorite things to do was to be on ice? By accident. Um, You know, it was one of those things where it was an activity that mom could get us out of the house and do something a little bit different. I remember, um, I believe it was a source for sports at the time and we got used skates and we went to the free ice and I kind of just stepped right on and started skating. That's amazing. Was there any other things you enjoyed growing up like baseball or hockey or yeah, I loved sports? Watching hockey, um, played baseball, um, off and on, but not for a very long time. No. Now, when did you move to Calgary? I moved to Calgary um, for sport, actually. Um, That first time I stepped on the ice kind of grew into something that none of us really expected. Um, And Skate Canada runs to this day what's what's called the Brian Pokar Seminar. Brian Pokar was a male skater and... um, Unfortunately, we're without him now, but there is a seminar that his foundation runs to put on to, to get more boys involved and to help the boys involved in skating grow. Um, and so I went to the Brian Pokar seminar and I met Scott Davis. Scott Davis was um, several time U.S. national champion and he now you know coaches out of Calgary and it was kind of that that really started to change things that took me from um, small town skater um, to here, to Calgary. Okay. When he created this foundation, was it because there's a stigma around men in figure skating or was there just, it's not as popular? What was it like growing up? If I can spin off that question, mm-hmm. I, I hope you don't mind because I think that's two very different things. The Brian Pokar seminar was designed to not only get men and, and boys involved in fear mm-hmm. but keep and help them grow to take mm-hmm. um, boys who are already involved, expose them to higher level coaching um, and intensive camps to help them excel. What was it like growing up as a male figure skater? Um, in a small farm town surrounded by hockey players. Um, It was hard. There was a lot of bullying. There was a lot of people that, that didn't understand. Um, You know, they thought it was for girls. Um, It was hard on me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I went to, uh, I started out as a homeschooler, became a male figure skater and then was at a Christian junior high. And it was just like one thing after another um, made me a target. Um, I remember one time he was actually a neighbor of ours and he was trying to be cool. He um, pushed me down the stairs in the arena, down the concrete stairs um, because I was a figure skater and um you know, I got, I got pushed around a lot at the rink, but it made me tougher. Mm-hmm. Do you think as young boys growing up now and wanting to figure skate, has it gotten better in terms of, 
I don't know, it's safer out there to open up and say, hey, I want to figure skate and I'm a male. It's okay. Yeah, I want to. <clears throat> has it gotten safer? I'm not sure if it's gotten safer. I know that that gender norms are definitely going further away, which is much appreciated. Um, those Those things you know, that maybe that's a topic for a different time, but when it's directly involved in a sport and what I experienced, you were judged very hard. Um, you were judged as a male figure skater. You came with a label of sexuality, which is totally unrelated. Totally. Uh, and that's something that just, you know, yeah. cannot be tied that way. Mm -hmm. Why did that happen? Where it's, if you're a male and you want to be a figure skater, automatically it's tied to your sexuality when, I mean, I can't even see the correlation there. I don't need, yeah, yeah. thanks. Thank you for saying that. I don't either. Um, it, it's just, it's always been there. Um, hockey is, or was, or is, you know, the sport you put a mouth guard in and you, you work really hard and you compete and you score and you excel and you, you get knocked down and you get back up. Figure skating is no different. You just have a different blade on your foot. Um, it's, it's it's also not that easy. It's it's an art, and it's absolutely yeah. Details matter. Landing matters. Timing matters. It's it's all right. of it. I mean, for sure. Yeah, it's um it's something that takes just an immense amount of practice. It's you know, there's so many different levels of sport, Zach, and. Mm -hmm when you kind of go down the path that I went down, um, yeah, for sure there was opportunities. Um, but that came at a great sacrifice, like just a huge sacrifice. My parents financially, um, what they sacrificed, um, other families, mm -hmm. what, what they sacrificed and provided me. Mm -hmm. What is uh, a sacrifice that parents do for kids in sports or that you've seen in your own life? Let's say time mm -hmm. um a huge sacrifice of their personal time i think for parents though you know that's also a big enjoyment but financially um sports are expensive um figure skating is incredibly expensive hockey's incredibly expensive equestrians you know very expensive but what's interesting in in our system in canada is you have to work to a certain level, compete at a certain level, score a certain amount of points to be carded. Um, and that's something that, that is across the board in Canada to be a carded athlete. I don't think anyone realizes though, Zach, the amount of time and money that's put in to get to the phase of being carded. Um, you know, for, for my parents, I know that they, you know, financed multiple things and and multiple families helped me um get to a level that was similar and i was actually never carded as an amateur um so it's i would say that finances is, is the biggest sacrifice um now in your sport from my perspective i mean obviously i have no idea is the cost getting into certain competitions or what exactly is the cost as a costumes? Yeah. Costumes, for example, um, I'll, I'll just tell you some numbers that I, I just know off the top of my head because I did it so many times, but my junior men's short program outfit was over a thousand dollars and I competed at multiple competitions, which then Mm -hmm. um, I was successful enough to move on to Western Canadian challenge, which was held in, Mississauga, Toronto. And so at a, at a point like that, you're not carded. Um, you're not sponsored by anyone, multiple private individuals sponsor athletes. Um, I was not at the time and you then fly across, across the country with a parent yourself, you pay for your coaches travel and lodging. And then you still have, have lessons and stuff that you have to pay for while you're there. There's a small entry fee in the competition. Um, and then if you go on from there, you do it all over again. Okay. 
no, that's fair enough. Now, so you started skating professionally. You came here at a young age to Calgary from Olds. Where did you stay and how did, was mom and dad, were they, they were back home, right? In, in Olds? At the yeah. Time? Okay. So I did it very similar as, as a lot of hockey athletes or, or uh, even some football athletes in Canada, but I billeted with the family. Okay. Um, I billeted in right on the corner of, of Elbow and Bel Air. And um, I- Is that what Jimmy? Was that what Jimmy, your billeting? Yeah. Okay. So that that's I moved from Olds to train um, in between. I, I trained in Carstairs for a short time, um, and and focused there kind of on dance. Um, but then coming here, I had the opportunity to really hone in and focus on singles. I billeted with a family right there on the corner of Elbow, and I I took the bus to the rink, took the bus to school. I trained it. Jimmy Condon and Rose Con under Sherry, Sharon LaRivier and Scott Davis. For the listeners, who were they or who are they actually? Scott Davis, um, he is a multiple national champion for the United States. He was an Olympic and world team member several times for representing the United States. Um, he met his lovely wife, Stephanie LaRivier, um, while they were on shows. And they came back to Calgary and he taught um, alongside Stephanie's mother, Sharon LaRivier. Mm-hmm. Sharon LaRivier is um, dear, dear to my heart and an absolute legend in my mind, but uh, um, a historical piece, I think, of, of Canadian figure skating. She, she was in the sport for a very, very long time. Um, she taught many athletes all over the world. Um, you know, I, I remember stories from her that countries like China would fly her over there and, and she would teach their national team how to spin. And she just, she always had so many amazing stories. Um, I, I definitely learned a lot taking from her, mm-hmm. but is, is what brought me here. Um, and I wouldn't be who I am today. I don't think without that team atmosphere that he created and <coughs> that I made in those those years um here in Calgary with with that team at at the Cal Alta Fierce. Oh, of course. Oh. Aww. Look at her. Hi. Tell the podcast how you got your name. Cup of coffee. We named her after a cup of coffee. Her name's Joe. Oh, look at Hey. Hi Joe. Ari, say hi. He's from that show Entourage. Ari yeah. old. Yeah. Oh. yeah. He's he's four years old. How old is she? She's pushing one and a half now. Aww. Yeah. She's... I got her up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Does she snore? Yes. When you're when you're jumping, have you landed badly? All the time. Yeah. Um one of the first things that I teach somebody in skating is how to fall and how to get back up you fall way more than you land and that's just how it works you have to train your body and your muscles um how to go into a jump how to react how to fix it in the air sometimes right um and then land i mean i'd like to talk to the guy don't get me wrong i love it i still do but i'd like to talk to the guy who came up with an ankle boot and strapped a butter knife on the bottom and then told you to rotate three times like it's uh it's a sport that is very difficult for sure. And, and many are so much better than I ever was. Um, and this sport, like since I was in it, Zach, to now what's changed is unbelievable. Um, I remember training with a good friend of mine, Von Chipier. He moved down from Edmonton to skate with Scott and represented Canada at the 2020 um, Olympics in Vancouver. And we, we trained together side by side. We even were roommates for, for quite some time. And I remember he was working on, you know, a triple, triple and his triple axle and quad. Well, you know, this weekend, oddly enough, great timing for this podcast that we get to do together is the world figure skating championships. And Nathan Chen just won. He represents the U S and he has five quads in his long program. 
So you go in, in that span of time, in 11 years, you go from a quad or two in a long program to five with girls never landing a quad in competition to multiple women around the world um, competing with the quad in their program. The, the way the sport has progressed is absolutely astonishing. Um, so, yeah. Huge. Holy. And what a timing for us to do this, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Pretty awesome. You know, I think going back a little bit to that question that you had, um, we fall a lot and, and you practice so much, Zach. You practice so many hours a day for, for seven minutes once a year. And if you get that seven minutes right, you, you'll qualify and you'll move on. And if you don't, that's where your season ends. But it grows with time. As you get stronger, as you get better body awareness, you, you jump higher, you skate faster, you rotate quicker. Um, In terms of rotating, how often, how many have you done? How many rotates have you done? How many rotations? Um, I, I landed triples, but that's, you know, the most rotation anyone ever done now would be quads. But um, rotating on the ice, just on the ice, just spinning on the ice. Sure. Have you have you counted before before no. falling down? No, I I haven't counted before, but lots. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, that would get me dizzy. <laughs> it's like a muscle. It takes practice, but once you once you spin that often, you you block it out just like if you were to put a pair of sunglasses on and a bright day, it doesn't bother you anymore. Eric, what, what exactly is the muscles that are used or the focus needed other than your brain? Is it the core? Yeah. Core is really important. Um, but I'm glad you brought that up. Um, this sport is 90% mental, I'd say maybe 95. Okay. Once you get your body tuned and, and your coaches are, are helping you every single day, train and your muscles the way you need them and you're eating healthily it, it, it's a mental game mm. what do you do to prepare yourself when you'd go on the ice for a competition what would you do in your mind it was hard uh it was very hard for me zach i was not a great competitor um i look back on it now and what i learned through skating after i became a professional mm-hmm. um and if I had learned some of those life lessons, if I had done and been in some of those situations before and then competed, I think it would have been different, but I, I would do things like um, review my program in my head mentally and, and visually with my eyes closed to see how I wanted to do things, where I wanted to do them on the ice and really envision that end result. Um, I did my best to, to do mental exercises like that, mostly to mm-hmm. calm my nerves and shut everything else out. Um, anyone who knows me knows that I've, I've typically got lots to say, lots of energy, and, and I'm a very bubbly person, and competition takes a lot of focus. Um, so after I got my nerves under control and stuff, I, you know, I would always do my best, but there were was it discipline that was tough at times or the focus was the tough part for you i think i think they're one and the same depending on how you approach it Mm -hmm. i mean if you're disciplined enough to train properly when you focus and you you're ready to go your training is going to help you out a lot if you are not disciplined enough to train properly, I think that your nerves are going to be much higher and you're not going to compete <clears throat> for two reasons, because mentally you're stressed out about it, mm-hmm. but one and the same, you were not disciplined enough to train properly. Wow. You know that one. <laughs> were you training to be an Olympian? Was that the goal? Hmm. I thought so. Yeah. Um, but no, that speaks directly to our other topic about discipline. I, I was surrounded by the right people. I had the right staff helping me. I had the right, you know, coaches, the right pushes, everything. Um, I wasn't disciplined enough. Um, you never know what hard work can get you. 
Um, I thought I worked hard enough. I could have worked a lot harder. Um, you know, did I have some talent? Sure. Was I as talented as other people? Definitely not. Is that the determining factor to become an Olympian? No. So. no. Um, it, it plays a part. I, I, you know, to answer it in, mm-hmm. in a short, quick form, I don't think I was disciplined enough yeah. um, to be an Olympian. You know, you started at 14 years old or I mean, earlier than that. Sorry. Yeah. Figure skating. Do you think as you got older, you lost the interest or you just got bored of it at the time? And he said, there's got to be something more in this world for me. Or, or were you still f- focused on becoming a professional figure skater at the time? Well, I think that it, it, it came down to one conversation, actually. Um, I was stuck in a spot spinning my tires. I had just done quite well. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a competition and my training wasn't as good and my coach's wife who was my Pilates instructor you know she sat me down we had a real difficult heart to heart and I will thank her for the rest of my life for for that conversation the way that she spoke to me the way that she laid it out and and exposed for me what I was doing because I wasn't grown up enough to to admit it to myself from that from that day on everything changed I um I got accepted into a mechanics program at state and I thought that I was going to go down that path I hadn't skated in a while Um, and then that's when things really took a turn. A a dear friend of mine came home from shows. Her name is Kate Gauthier. And she said, Eric, you, you're like, you're throwing this all away. You cannot not try this. You have to try. Um, you know, can I help you make a video? And I said, sure. Like, why not? And, um, so we made a video and she had to go, she had to go back. Um, she was going to go to what we call break work. Um, to fill in for someone who was hurt. And so she was just like that. We, we made the video and she was gone again down to Argentina. And she sent me a, a message saying, I'm really proud of you for making the video. I just want to let you know, sometimes this can take time. And because we're later in the casting season, um, you know, it, it could take a while. And I got a phone call the next morning um, from Feld Entertainment at Disney on Ice. And, and they offered me a position. Oh my, yeah. what was that feeling like? You know, you kind of, at that, I'm guessing that one moment, your dreams were shattered. You were sure upset. Were you upset with figure skating at one point and said, Absolutely. wow, I put all this in. For sure. You know, you take this as an athlete at that, at a level like that, you, your whole day is designed around, um, the discipline to perform and train properly. So, you know, I would get up in the morning to make sure that I was eating the best that I could to then rush off to school to get as much done as I could before lunch to make it to the afternoon ice. Skated till, you know, late-ish afternoon and then I'd go to work so I had money to do it all over again. Um, And everything is directed in one direction. Everything goes back to that seven minutes. You do a short and a long program and you have to qualify. And your whole life, years, hours, days, minutes, months, whatever you want to call it, is directed at that. And so then I have this, this harsh realization that, you know what, I'm not, I'm not doing what I am telling myself I'm doing. I'm not going where I'm telling myself I'm going. And it was the hardest thing that I've ever been through. You, you have this identity, you've got a family of athletes, your coaching team, your club, a routine from day to day, from breakfast, lunch to dinner, month after month after month, and it's gone. And, and you just, it was a very, very difficult time for me. It was mm-hmm. dark. It was, there was tears. There was, of course. there was anger. Um, there was just so much involved with that. And then as I started to work through that, um, what were some uh, coping mechanisms or what did you do and didn't do to work through it? 
No, alcohol was not, um, not a factor for me at that time um, at all, actually. Mm-hmm. There, it wasn't a stumbling factor for me. It wasn't, you know, um, I turned, I'm a people person, so I, I turned to other people, um, which isn't always, I think, the best idea. I think, I think people sometimes turn to others when they can't look at themselves in the mirror. And you can't be real with yourself that, you know what, I'm, I'm alive and well, and I have nothing to complain about, even though all of this has been stripped away. And, and part of it was a choice. You know, I think a lot of it, Zach, I was just running from it. Um, so once before got- we get to the, that next part of you getting that call, looking back, mm-hmm. how beautiful was rock bottom? It gave you, there was freedom there. You can start your life from scratch and you know, there's no pressure. There's nothing. And it's whatever. I mean, it's easier said looking back. Mm-hmm. It's you exactly, start building your life up again. But, it, that's exactly what I was going to say. But let me, let me answer that question with another question. How beautiful is anything when everything that you just worked for, that your family funded, that left them with nothing, that left you with no major accomplishment, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I wasn't, I never held the title for Canada. I didn't go to nationals, um, at this senior level. It's, you know, how beautiful was, was rock bottom when you felt like you didn't make it? It wasn't, it wasn't at all. And it had me searching for things that I thought I needed to do because I, was trying to mentally push away and push aside what I didn't achieve. It wasn't until much later in life that I look back on it and go, wow, that made me who I am today. It brought me, you know, to you today talking about this stuff and mm-hmm. excited about it. But no, no, today I meant rock bottom is beautiful. Not back then. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. That, that's exactly where I was going now. I, I mean, I, I am very thankful that the support system that I had through skating did not give up on me and continue to support me when I was not skating because I, I did not turn to substance abuse of any kind. That's amazing. Um, which is huge. You know, I think that that's a huge thing. I didn't turn to something that was damaging. I, yeah, I scrounged around at the bottom and tried to figure out who I was. But I think that's what rock bottom was. Rock bottom was, was a reinvention. You know, it was like, this wheel is now broken. We're not rolling here. What am I going to do? Did you have people in your life where you thought you could count on them in the dark times that weren't there? How did you deal with that? And then how did you find out that, hey, I need to rely on myself. I need to f- be with me. And being such a social person, was it hard to hone in on yourself or how did you figure that out? As an athlete, you're told what to do. And so much of your day and so much of your drive and your passion is in that direction. And when you're there every day surrounded by people that are on a common path and Scott's telling you to do this, this, and this, that's what you do. But the next day, when Scott's not there telling you what to do, and Sharon's not telling you to spin faster, and you don't have that that Kate and that Amanda and and that Erica and that Nick and that Vaughn beside you, um, falling on their face just the same and landing the next, it's really difficult. Um, you know, I think that that's one of the the issues is that, you know, there's such an overdevelopment on one side of things and such an underdevelopment on the other, um, which in some respects, depending on the level of the sports act is a necessity. But, you know, I found that hard. And so that was just over a year, kind of that transitional period for me. Interesting. You know, you've spoken about what it's like after sport 
and the interest you have of athletes and how they deal with things after sports. What exactly do you mean by that when you say after sport? I think I came up with that like when we had our meet, you know, to talk about this podcast the other day. Um, I think I came up with that. It's like there's life after death. You, you feel you, you, there's life after sport. There is. And it's great. And it's beautiful in so many ways that you don't know about yet. And you haven't experienced yet because all you know is sport. Um, I think that there's some steps to success there. I think that there's some planning that can go into that and some awareness that should be brought to it before you get to the end. Um, because what I see a lot of athletes do nowadays is it's like build, 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 win. They lose for the first time or they retire and it's like a brick wall. It's over. What do I do? You know, this, this period that I was telling you about that, I, that was rock bottom. It's whatever. I, I want to make something clear that I've talked to many friends from, from all over the world, from my professional career, from who are some of the most successful athletes in the world. Um, and they have hit the same rock bottom exactly the same what what was the difference on the amateur level eric was down here and they were up here where's the difference of the rock bottom it's absolutely even um and it's it's different for everybody but it's just as low especially when you give it your all like you breathe live blood sweat tears yeah so then i think that's why for me then why it was so amazing that that call kind of happened and it was like, there was no choice. Um, I, I was, there was actually, there was a choice because I was given a seat um, at this mechanics program at SATE, even though they were full, he gave me a seat. Was it aviation or what was it for? Um, mechanics. Oh, uh, what? Yep. Yeah. And um, so I got accepted into the program and the very next day, um, I got a call from Disney on ice and I had just accepted this, this schooling, this seat. Mm -hmm. And I called the person who, you know, the, who ran the program. And he said, Eric, you're never going to lose your mechanical mind. And this program's not going anywhere. You have an opportunity to see the world and you need to go. And so I went. What was mom and dad like when they heard this news? They were shocked. They, I didn't even really tell anybody that I was working on this video, that I even put my skates back on. Part of that was just straight embarrassment and shame that I had worked so hard and then was angry at it. You know, it was just a mental mix of difficult emotions that I couldn't even figure out. And I, you know, I think that's one of my, my lowest points is that some of the people that I cared about the most is who I was lashing out at because I just didn't even know how to talk to myself Didn't know how to deal with myself. Um, did your parents, did your parents say, son, we didn't need you to become the top Sure. and you were hard on yourself and you can let that go now. Yeah. And I'm, you know, thanks for saying that. But my response was, you don't understand. You don't get it. You don't know mm. you do this. Yeah, you supported me, but it wasn't you. You don't know how this hurts. And I, looking back on that, I saw how much they hurt for me. I saw how, you know, aggressive and angry and, and rude I was to them because I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out myself. So when I told them that I was going to Disney on Ice, they were absolutely floored. They were so excited. Um, the look on my mother's face, I will never forget. And I jumped on a plane and found myself in Fort Myers, Florida at a country inn in suites across from a Chili's with a bunch of athletes. And, you know, the next morning I'm about to start my professional career, which took me to 46 countries doing hundreds of shows for hundreds of thousands of people um, over, over 10 years. What was Mr. and Mrs. Palin like? Did they ever come to a show? Yes. The first show they came to was in um, Winnipeg. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so they came to Winnipeg with my little sister. And then they came to 
they came to a show in San Diego for a holiday uh, a couple years after that. And then towards the end of my career, they joined me on a ship for a week. When I was wow. So you did the cruise ships as well. Disney. On, is that the Disney cruise ship? No. Um, so Disney on ice is owned by Feld entertainment. That, that name is, is they, they have the rights to that. And then Royal Caribbean actually is the only company that has the, the licensing and rights to put ice um, to run shows on their ships. So whoever did that business planning is pretty smart, but they, uh, I did, I, I worked for Willie B tech productions actually, um, in harmony with Royal Caribbean. Okay. So Willie B tech is hired as the production company to, to put the shows together for Royal Caribbean. Now Feld entertainment, we were chatting the other day and, you said they own how, how much, what other things do they own? Yeah. So Feld entertainment was just an incredible um, yeah. part of my life. It, it, it is very, very much still a huge part of my life. I, I keep in touch with, with many people from Feld, um, even the casting director from Feld. Um, she's, she's connected with some of my coaching here. Um, it's just a big family. Speaking of family, um, Feld Entertainment was started by the Felds and Kenneth Feld helped his dad after his dad, if I have everything correct, um, bought the circus and Feld Entertainment's history is, is remarkable. Zach, they, they've owned um, Siegfried and Roy, Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus, have all the circus trains, Monster Jam, Indoor Motocross, um, Disney on Ice, Disney Live, more recently Sesame Street Live, um, and the rest is history. And they, I'll take a moment, you know, I think this is super cool that they survived this, this pandemic we've all been through. Um, and they are, are still the Feld family and they're still running shows to put smile on kids' faces around the world. It's pretty cool. I love it. Now, what was your character when you were on Disney on Ice? I was waiting for this one. So my first um, role actually was with the very dear friend of mine who pushed me to film the video. My first role was with Kate. She was Cinderella and I was her Prince Charming. And, you know, that's a transition that we have not talked about at all. Um, my whole career was was built up and planned and worked on to be a single skater, to be a standalone athlete. And I got to the show and overnight they, they kind of gave me the ultimatum. They were like, you know, your height, your look, your ability, your talent, your this, your that, you're going to do pairs. And, and I knew that if I didn't take that kind of direction and that push that my career would be different. And I, you know, I'm, I'm always down to try something new so that's what we did. And I, from that day on, kind of shifted focus to, to become a pair skater. I did both quite a bit um, throughout the first few years of professional skating. And then in the latter, it was only, only pair skating. Is there a lot of acting involved as well? Tons. Disney on Ice was such a, uh, it's just a blast. Yeah. You know, you are literally portraying the role um, of that character that the kids know and love. So it wasn't from Calgary, Alberta, Eric Palin. It was, <laughs> here comes Kendall. Here's Prince Charming to that song. Everyone knows and loves, mm -hmm. um, you know, when you're a principal skater, your, your name will be in a program with a headshot, but you don't, there was several roles where you actually talked live, but lots of it was, um, you were doing your lines to an audio track while skating, while doing the lifts, while jumping, while spinning, while, you know, like a, like a musical. Yeah. Um, and that's what it was, you know, and it was, it was great. You know, it's funny. I see this smile and you, you lighten up when you talk about this, you really love it. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, it's just, it was such a gift. It was such a blessing. This whole, this, this bottom end, this, you know, what was beautiful about rock bottom 
let's go back to that. What was beautiful about rock bottom? If I hadn't hit rock bottom, if that friend of mine, Kate, didn't care, if my coach didn't still believe in me, even though I wasn't doing anything, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have done that video. I did that video and it changed my life. It really did. And it, it, Eric, could you imagine if you didn't do that video where you'd be? No, No. I've often thought about that. What would be different? What would have changed? I, you can't predict it, but you can kind of see that you, you would have said, Oh shit (laughs) down. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where, what I would have chosen to do. I mean, I probably would have taken that mechanics program, which would have been great. I probably would have pulled wrenches with a couple of buddies of mine for a while, but I don't think I would have been happy. Uh, what I love about you is like people think figure skating is such a, a female oriented sport, sure. but the, the strength it takes and the amount of cramps you've had in your feet, probably. <laughs> when you guys go like this. For sure. Yeah. Um, and then you have the spectrum of loving wrenches and being a mechanic. Like, I, re- I love it. It's, it's just, it's kind of a wild story. Like, it really is. Like, I'm a bit of a roller coaster. But it's, um, I, I never will take any of that for granted. Being in the spotlight, doing the shows, um you know, and talking about it is, is something that I love. I hope that grows into helping other athletes somehow. It sure has helped me in, in my career mm-hmm. now, everything that I've been doing, um, you know, everything that I did and learned about in skating has definitely helped me in my career now. Right. And I think it sets me apart to an extent. Of course. Um, did you do ballet by any chance? Yeah, I did. Um, probably should have done more. It would have made yeah. me a better skater, but um, yeah, I did do ballet. Mm-hmm. No, it's a wow, it's a beautiful art as well. Yeah. I think there's a guy in Calgary from Japan originally. Uh he's part of the Alberta Ballet. He's one of the instructors there. Yeah. Phenomenal. Like just the way he moves. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't as beautiful as that. <laughs> You're working with your partner, the gal that actually got you into sending this video and ultimately became your partner. Was that, she was your partner for Kendall or was it for Prince Charming? No, she was, she was a friend actually that I trained with here in Calgary. She took from Scott as well. Um, and then she went off to shows earlier. And then, so we, we did shows together for about two and a half years. Then I got the opportunity to become a principal skater with, with the company. And I left, Auburn Hills, Michigan, all by myself. And they flew me to Athens, Greece. Wow. So, you know, I, I had built a rapport and a comfort with all these friends, like a big family for two and a half years on the show. And I took, you know, a, a risk and a change and an opportunity um, to try something different. And, and remember, like my my career was single. So I I've only been two and a half years now doing pair skating and I wanted this opportunity so bad. And I remember the casting director saying to me, she said, Eric, I will give you a chance, but you are needed on this show. Um, I will give you the chance to be this, this principal pair skater on a different show. Um, but you have to prove me right. And so I was almost on a, a hall pass. It felt like I knew, you know, she believed in me for sure. But um, I think it was her way of, of pushing me and, and teaching me something. So I then um, became Ken Doll on um, a different show. I skated with a girl named Olivia, who was from Pennsylvania. And we had a great time together, really did. We really enjoyed each other's company on the ice. We were both funny. We, we really acted off each other so well. And then she goes and falls in love with this guy named Ollie, who's cooking popcorn and her career has come to a beautiful end and she retires on me. So, you know, then the company presented me with an opportunity to go do a different role. And I said, no, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to stay Kendall. And so they begrudgingly were like, okay, we'll try and find you a partner. Mm -hmm. And 
next thing you know, there's this little lady sitting by the ice named Alexandra all the way from the boondocks in Newfoundland. And she's in the middle of Florida and um, the the rest is history. Tell me about Alexandra. What was it like working with her? Amazing. It was great. She, um, she spent 13 years as a competitive pair skater with her brother. Um, They, they did a very similar thing to me. They moved away from the West coast of Newfoundland and ended up renting an apartment um, in Montreal to, to train under the best pairs team and training program there is. And um, he went on to school and Alex came to the shows and we, we met that first day we'd never met before. And we had, you know, two and a half weeks to not only meet, but learn to skate together can combine adagio pair skating that I learned on the shows and her competitive pair skating, which is two very different things. And we had to amalgamate them, mm-hmm. learn to skate together, do all the fittings, learn the numbers together, and then open the show. Right. How does one communicate when you guys are coming from two different spectrums? Is it is it a lot to do with body language and kind of that energy that we don't see so oftentimes in life? Other than just communicating, hey, turn left here, turn right here. Sure. I'm you know, this is gonna sound so cliche, but practice makes perfect. The more that you take the time to sorry work together um the better it's going to be you know you she spent her entire life training with her brother as a pair skater i spent my entire life up until this point training as a figure skater not as a, not as a pair skater but then i learned a lot of adagio skills, which is a different kind of style, I would call it, or practice. There's a lot of adagio elements that you see um, on the floor in dance um, and in ice shows that are not allowed in the amateur world of figure skating. So there was this, this very important amalgamation that had to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she used her skill set and I used mine to kind of put it together. And I think it went really, really well. Um, and so then we spent five years. Yeah. Five and a half years ish. Um, as Barbie and Ken, I was, I was Ken for five and a half years and she was Barbie for four and a half. And then we, we went on to ships. For the listeners, you guys are, engaged yeah made for each other straight out of straight out of toy story three um we had that line it's it's hilarious looking back on it but um yes we are it was um at first what an interesting relationship you know people ask us about it all the time and when we were on on the show together that was the top interview question on the radio and and tv wherever we were because it was like, how do you make that work? Um, well, I'll tell you, um, it was it was difficult. I was nervous about it. I, I clearly knew that I had feelings for the lady, but I was very scared because I had seen how difficult it can be um, in an atmosphere like that. You're you're moving every other day. You live out of suitcases. You're around the same hundred people for nine months and you're skating with the person. You have to practice with the person. And, and now you're going to talk about, you know, having a relationship with the person. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. And if anything happens or changes, it affects everything else. So um, I was a little bit cautious and standoffish about it at the beginning. And I, I couldn't ignore it. And uh, we, we've been together now for, uh, just over six years and so did you guys start dating after the cruise ship no we started dating on on the shows on disney on ice um and then we we've been together ever since <laughs> yeah. Surprise. Um, you see a lot of incest of like you know when you got the same hundred people for nine months something's gonna happen do we do we see a lot of what incest well not really but you know the same hundred people dating each other like i mean i think that the the show world is 
a different world yeah. and there's a lot of things that work out for the better. And there's a lot of the things that sh- never should have happened in the first place. Well, that's life in general. <laughs> yeah. That's life in general. I just think that it's under a magnifying glass because you, you know, let's talk about, let's talk about you for a second. If something doesn't work, it's like, thanks very much. Um, never going to take you out for steak dinner again at highs. Bye. Next podcast. Well, I could send the same text message and then two hours later, you walk into the same rink to do a show together again. You're on the same kick line for heaven's sakes. So it's, uh, it's definitely magnified, but for Alex and I, it's just worked out beautifully. Um, and we we're super happy together. Yeah. Really excited to get married. We're not going to move it again. What, what made Calgary home for you guys? Good question. Um, and not Newfoundland. Not Newfoundland, sure. So Alex is um, is passionate about a couple of things for sure. She's a very um, sweet woman with, with a lot of talent. And one of the things that she's passionate about is interior design. And one of the things that I have been passionate about for a long time, even while we were on the shows, was real estate. So we were looking at kind of options and at that point, the, the world, you know, was our oyster, I guess it still is, but, um, we wanted to live in Canada. We did not want to be in the States, um, overseas, you know, maybe, but we really wanted to be in Canada. Um, there was more opportunity for us together, um, on the real estate interior design side of things, as well as coaching. And so, rather than starting from scratch, 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 um, we decided to, and actually Alex brought it up first. She said, you know, I think we should go to Calgary. And so we did, we, we threw around the idea of Vancouver for a while, but cost of living is so much more expensive. And when you're remember, um, you know, let's go back to the beginning of the podcast for a second. We're now prepped on one. She had already gone through rock bottom. And, and I had already gone through rock bottom as an athlete. So we knew that this was going to be a huge transition in getting off the road. So we didn't want to fall flat on our faces. Um, so we planned and we prepped for that. I would say, um, Zach, that it was a two year thing. I think we, I think we would, we planned, saved, talked, chatted, reached out, emailed, called for two years to set up our exit from professional skating into um, the real world in quotes. You're in real estate. Is that correct? Is that what you do here in Calgary? Yeah, that's right. Nice. And how do you enjoy that so far? I, I love it. It's yeah. um, I, I approach it the same way I approach sport. It's about building relationships with people and I keep my head down and I work hard. Um, every day is different. I, I care about people and I just, I love meeting new people every single day mm-hmm. and every day is a little different. It constantly brings its challenges. I think I bring the same, the same discipline and focus that took me decades to learn. Um, and, and I can directly apply it in a new way, which I think is really great. Um, and I, I don't give up on anything. So why did you pick real estate as a career and not say, Hey, now I can do the mechanic job that I was thinking about doing. Because I have to be with people. I have to talk mm. to people. I have to interact with people. Um, I, I worked as, as for a short time um, in a mechanic shop in that transitional period the first time. And I loved what I was doing and that I was fixing and constantly figuring things out. I hit this whole different level of focus because I could just figure it out. But I wasn't with anybody. I wasn't talking with anybody. There was no outlet. It was just like, great, it's fixed. Now what? Um, I knew that real estate, I would be able to take in a lot of things that I'd learned and and skills that I'd honed as a professional athlete and directly apply them that that I felt would make me successful and set me apart. Um, You know, being able to talk to people, being able to meet them kind of where they were at um, rather than here by this you should check this out. I'm going to sell this. Um, you know, people don't want to be sold. Um, so 
So how do you get your message across for people to work with you while, you know, you want clients? How does that happen? And especially if for somebody that's been, you know, not in the city for so long, how are you able to really stand apart and show, you know, the beauty within you? How was how that able to happen? And, and you become a top producer in one year. I know, I know you probably don't congratulate yourself enough, but that's a huge accomplishment. Thank you, Zach. Um, I, I do really appreciate that, um, that you said that, you know, I think, I don't want this to sound cliche because I think that it's something that everyone has to learn, but everyone's going to learn it at their own time. Um, you have to be okay with being an individual. There's, there's over 5,000 realtors in this city. So what am I going to do? I'm going to go and do exactly what they're doing and, and hope I'm successful. No, because there's a lot of them that have been doing that for as long as I've been alive and, and I'm not here to take their brand. Um, I'm here to be myself and create my own brand and, and help people in my own way. Um, and and that's what I, that's what I do. Um, there's, you know, stuff that every realtor has to do. Every real estate professional has to do this and be proficient at, you know, X, Y, Z. But I think that how you decide to approach that is up to you. And I think that as, as a, as a professional, as a business man, as a business woman, um, in business, it's okay to be, yourself it's okay to be an individual and the more that you focus on that while learning from others around you and asking questions which i want to talk about um the better you're going to do what about Um, what made you uh, create that name fresh house fresh house (laughs) that was a combination of a couple of things uh some of it's a bit of a joke actually um but people, maybe it's the Kendall thing. Yeah. Um, people for years always joked to me on the shows and, and whatever that I had fresh hair, mm-hmm. I had a fresh hairdo. And I laughed about it and I never really thought of it. And my broker owner was, um, he said to me, you know, he was trying to pull stuff out of me, trying to learn more about me, understand more about me. Did he say your broker? Yeah, my broker owner. Uh, he's the owner of, of Remax House, Michael Kane. He, um, he, you know, was was talking to me about the importance of being an individual, and you know, he said, you know, that you're you've got new ideas, you're creative. He's like, it's you know, you're fresh, and I laughed, and he's like, what's so funny? And I told him that story, and there it was, it was Fresh House, and and I kind of made that that business slogan, um, building relationships focused on sur- service. Um, a fresh edge to real estate. Ah, Maybe that edge is a play on skating. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Now you and your, your gal, your fiance, have an amazing story of purchasing something down in Newfoundland. Oh, so we, um, again, a great look on my mother's face, but um <laughs> we purchased our first house from the belly of a ship and it was a hundred year old townhouse that had been renovated and we turned it into an Airbnb. Um, and what do you mean a belly of a ship? So literally, um, we lived on the ship underwater level. So we, we had our internet signal and we were making our FaceTime Wi-Fi calls and we, we looked at pictures. We asked about numbers, had countless calls with our, our realtor out there. And we bought our first house from underwater. <laughs> so, um, and then after that contract, we, we, we moved in and, and created this, this Airbnb experience with a wonderful company called Fabstay. Um, and yeah, so fab state is you guys. No, um, we, we work with a company called fab state to, to make sure that that house is taken care of and that everyone that goes through has a wonderful experience. Oh, so it's, you guys have to just do your 
what was your part in the process? Just purchase the property. So we, um, we took some painters tape and, um, we took kind of our stories and what we enjoyed about traveling and Airbnb and how we wanted it to feel and the experience we wanted to provide. We designed every room and got all the furniture and, then we hired this company because we knew that we were kind of all on the same page and we turned it over to them. And it's, it's a great, a great relationship. That's amazing. Wow. And your, and your wife is prominent in interior design. Yes. She, um, she was hired by a company here in town called Anna interiors. Um, and she loves what she does with that team of incredible women and um, she is an interior designer and she still coaches and, and choreographs quite a bit um, for skating. No, that's amazing. I appreciate your time today, Eric. Bill, thanks for having me, Zach.